In a world where horrid stenches and piercing screams come not from the realms of fantasy, but from the nightmare of reality. Come two heroes bonded by love and the kind of desperation only parents can know. No, God, please, no, no, no! Behold, RPGs and Baby Makes Three, the greatest podcast in the history of all podcasts by parents who have made a podcast about being gamers with a baby. Did I mention it's a podcast? Here are your hosts, Gretchen Hilmers and Rob Hessler. And this is RPGs and Baby Makes 3, Rob Hessler and Gretchen Hilmers. Well, now, I don't call you luminescent on this podcast. No, and I'm not feeling very luminescent. We made it. We made it. We're recording this at almost 8 p.m. Which, for some of you, doesn't seem very late at all. And I'm jealous of those people. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be in bed in less than an hour. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, For those other parents out there, we have been in the midst of... The boy has big emotions. Big emotions? And we just got over a sickness hump? Yeah, he's magical, but he's also simultaneously really hard, and it's all fake. Like, he can just turn it off. Yeah. Well, not all of it, but a lot of it is like, he'll just turn it off. Yeah. Like, tonight is pretty funny. He's sitting on, we, we were potty turning him, and he's sitting on the potty, pooping. And we're telling him, like, dude, okay, it's it's time. You're done. Let's get up and clean you up. And and please, for the love of God, let's put the smell away. <laughs> and he just reached for the heavens dramatically. No! Yeah, and it was, was clawing upwards at the sky, the ceiling. Why, God, have you forsaken me? I don't want to get my butt wiped. Why must I get off of the potty? (laughs) Really funny. Oh, man. And so we left him on there for another, like, five minutes, I think, or maybe a little bit longer. Oh, man. But, yeah, I mean, it's just, it, it, and, but at the same time, he's, just incredible too i mean he just has those moments where he's so sweet and so wonderful and so amazing that it just totally warms your heart yeah um i think nature does that yeah on purpose you know it's also interesting because when we get old i for me at least as i've gotten older my emotions are less high and low than when they were when i was younger like i am it's not that I don't have experience like really high highs and low lows, but like I guess I just kind of manage my emotions a little bit better as I've gotten older, even than when I was like 20 years old, you know, or 25 years old compared to now. And I think 
you know, you go back to a toddler and they just have no, none of that control. No. I think what helps me is my Wellbutrin. <laughs> uh, true story. RPGs. RPGs do help sometimes. Yes. I mean, that's what the show is all about. And I do find that when we have a good session of an RPG, it's invigorating and feels really good. It makes me happy. Yeah. Puts yeah. me in a good mood. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes I'm like, why did I just spend three, four hours doing that? Why am I going to bed at midnight right now? This was not worth it. Why don't we roll for initiative? They see me rolling. Some people are born lucky. Let's roll. Roll for initiative. So... Speaking of games that we've played recently, we finished off the short Blades in the Dark campaign successfully, I might add, and in as much or more trouble than we were before we started the final mission, the final heist, I guess you might say. We ended up with 10 spirit bottles. And 10 gold pieces. And 10 gold. Which is like a lot, a lot of, money of money in this game. But there's also like tons of people who are after us now. Yeah. Yeah, but that was cool. That, it was that's fun. Cool. It was fun. That was a fun campaign. It had its moments like, I feel like faster and slower paced moments. And I think system mastery in that game would be awesome. Because it would when you get to like doing the jobs, they would move. They'd go quick. You know what I mean? And you'd feel like you're doing a job and like the tension of almost like watching a good heist movie or something like that but when you don't know the rules and you're still trying to figure out how does the game move like we were i think it could get bogged down a little bit because we couldn't just be like it wasn't obvious to us necessarily like what we do next yeah yeah i would say that but i liked the world that has been built around the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoyed this idea of spirits being dangerous and scary, and um, that's cool. We didn't really focus too much on that. Um, I mean, I love that you're just in the criminal underworld. Like, that's the thing. My character, the whole time I was working on this, I, I, I don't know what you call them, like this, I had set a clock for it i was doing something i was trying to complete a mission or guess whatever like a side side quest on my own what are those things called i set a clock for myself anyway i was trying to and it was helping the scovlin rebels which was like i was a scovlin that was my ethnic background for my character and over the course of the five sessions of the campaign like I got kind of into that component you of did. it. You did. Your character and, is nuts. And that was neat because there was kind of that meta game of trying to make that happen. And then when you'd have downtime, when I had downtime actions, I, downtime actions, I would always do that. Or if I was looking for information, I'd always go to my Scoblin contacts. And I made this whole thing up. I didn't read anything about Scoblins. I have no idea who they are, really. But... I kind of made that a part of the character and that was fun and I think I felt like that system really allowed for that in a nice and interesting way. Mm-hmm. Um, that was definitely a positive. The clocks were interesting, but I never really felt I never really looked at them. No. Did you ever really look at them? 
No, just the big red one that was on my character sheet. Um, the one that was on my sheet, yes, yeah. I did. But the ones that were like being set by Tamsa the GM, I never looked at those, and I guess I should have. I mean, occasionally, I guess I would glance at it, but it just it wasn't anything that really, like, you know, I think the clocks didn't necessarily bug me because I knew it was um, a, like a, a short, short campaign. campaign. Yeah. So whatever happened with those clocks was, you know, kind of inconsequential with the timeline that we had. Well, that might be a bit problematic then if you think about that. You know, maybe the clocks need shorter time spans you know maybe they need to be based shortened. on shorter campaigns yeah, yeah because so that way that you don't so like be more aggressive with it maybe if you're doing a shorter campaign because it's just not like you're not going to care as much because i you're right i didn't really even think about it now i will say however that the tension that we were creating was clear to me and that might have been represented mechanically by clocks, but mm. that I was just feeling it because I knew that the Bill Hooks, which was like a gang, they were after us. We knew that the Lady of the Lights or whatever her name was, I can't remember. Irene? Irene, yeah. Irene's House of Delights or whatever. Wait for me. Good job, yeah. Irene, I knew that she was getting antsy about us, like, delivering her bottles and then there was those people that served us human meat and that whole gang which is i can't remember the name of that gang but we had made like a, a second meat pies was yeah that... they were making the meat pies yeah and well but anyway all of, i i was feeling that all of those guys were on us and so it definitely felt like even though I didn't pay attention to the mechanical component of the clocks. I definitely felt like I paid attention to the tension of the things that had clocks on them. So, I mean, I guess that's probably better that you're not looking at the, you know, the widget, <laughs> you know, that's, the widget. and instead you're actually like just playing the game and you're yeah. feeling it naturally in the game. I agree with that. We also played Iron's Horn. Our first session one. So you can find that on the RPGs and Baby Makes 3 YouTube channel. As literally some people have. <laughs> uh, apologies to fans of the podcast who might have wanted to tune into that premiere episode because I actually said it was March 31st, but that was because that was the original date Thursday, March 31st, when we were going to do it, but we actually had to Which bump is it actually back. Today. When we're recording it on the 31st, this on the 31st, yes. Yeah. But we were supposed to. Planned the 31st, but then we had to bump it back to the 29th because one of the players couldn't do the 31st. So, because things and stuff happen. Things and stuff, and that was a month that you know between that recording and the or the first, the session zero and the first session. So anyway, yeah, we did that. Fun. That was fun. Now you had never experienced it before. Any feelings about Ironsworn? Yeah. Initial thoughts. Reflections. I mean, we just kind of started going, so I don't really know too much about the mechanics. I liked the cooperative storytelling element to it. I liked the ability to shape your characters, I guess, injuries or failures. Failures, I would say. Misses is what they call them in the game. It's um, like a miss, yeah. And, um, yeah. 
and I like we and we built a nice world and I and I really just kind of I thought it was cool that we were just coming together to create the world in the moment as well. Lofty hole. So that was interesting because when we we rolled on one of the oracles. So for those who aren't too familiar with Iron Sworn, it's a GMless game, but it uses these things called oracles to randomize what happens in the game. And so we randomly rolled for the name of our setting and it came up Lofty Hole. And we all kind of chuckled because it's like a silly name, but then we ended up coming up with something kind of awesome, like the top of a mountain that had been cut off for mining and it had a lake and then the lake had like this toxic chemical that could be mined. Like, yeah. And we came up with the skimmers who were like the people who took the stuff off the top. And then you ended up coming up with the name of the chemical being bright because it would like with a, very well. Yeah, with know. a blue flame. And then Ben Sperduto, who's playing in the game, suggested that maybe it's named after like a billboard of something that was up there. And then you suggested a what did you whitening suggest? toothpaste. Whitening toothpaste. <laughs> yeah. It's called Bright. And so like we but we all came up with that together. And how cool is that? Like yeah. you you can envision that post apocalyptic world on the top of this mountain with this lake that is an artificial lake that's become poisoned with this billboard on the side of it. And these scraggly old trees are like all growing up there. And then there's been this community built around it, which is basically all about harvesting that stuff or catering to the needs of people who are doing that harvesting of that stuff. Yeah, it's cool. So um, yeah, that's that was, that was fun. That was really, you, we did a more, so when I, in the other Ironsworn game that I'm playing in right now, which is the more Viking fantasy game, we didn't really get into the starting place as far as a descriptor goes at all, really. We had a very small beginning description and we left town right away. But for us, what was cool is Lofty Hole ended up playing a major role in everything that happened with the encounter with the skimmers and oxtail the woman who was like the head of the skimmer crew was oxtail the head i thought that was one of the bruisers enforcers now she was one of the oxtail was at the lead of one of the skimmer crews oh okay yeah so she was a bruiser though for sure okay i thought she was like the gang leader i was confused then yeah i don't think it's a yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Now I was thinking it was skimmers, but maybe it was a gang. See, now we didn't. Maybe we didn't define it. Did we define that? I don't know. Like I think I naturally assumed that cause you were going to talk to them as like part of the underworld. No, it was definitely skimmers because Ben during that described the skimming knife, the weapon that they were holding. Well, yes, he did, but that could just be a weapon of choice in that town. Interesting. Well, hmm. anyway, it was, but it was Somehow cool. Somehow we get along. Somehow we get along. And <laughs> I think this is actually going to lead into our main topic. So why don't we go ahead and get into our main topic and we'll get further into this discussion. Don't worry. Don't worry. I'm not going to do what everyone thinks I'm going to do. Flip out, Look, look, I've got a major problem, okay? Hold up. Wait a minute. Something ain't right. You have no power over me. Groans and moans. (laughs) 
So we were talking today, we wanted to talk about storytelling versus gaming, because I think that there's a bit of a difference. And I think it's kind of really in my consciousness right now because of all the Iron Swarm that I'm playing. And one of the things I think is really interesting about Iron Swarm, like when you read the book, the core rule book, it's always talking about do narrative first and then make the move, roll the dice. So you describe everything first and you come in with the moves second. So it always feels like you're just telling the story and that the mechanics sort of help you tell the story rather than, at least for me, it doesn't necessarily feel as much like a traditional game, except for when I'm rolling the dice. The dice is the time when it feels like a game, but it's almost like every other part of it does not feel gamey to me. I don't know, what do you think? I don't know. Well, storytelling versus gaming. What do you... Well, yeah, but you have to think, like, I, I, I do a lot of gaming, and this is... Ironsworn is kind of my first venture into actual storytelling. But you um, would say there's a difference there. I would say there's a difference. I would say it's also hard to maybe put into words in some way, but I know we'll talk long enough until we figure it out. <laughs> um, but, well, I was just going to say what's interesting about this to me is like I feel like we've played a lot of games that touch on storytelling, but we never really like push that part of it f as far as we could. Like, for example, let's say a game like the Supernatural RPG, which we love and we play all the time, and there's plot points in there, right? And so like, right. we could, we end up defaulting to using those mostly for roles, but I mean, those could be it would allow the character players to take a lot more control of the narrative if you all chose to go that route. But yeah, I, that's a good point. But I feel like this game, Ironsworn, the rules reflect storytelling first. You know what? There is more storytelling games than I think because I feel like Aegon was more storytelling based. Yes, I think so too. Um, because you had to make that declaration at the beginning anytime you did something. Yep, and then yeah. if it passed or failed, you had to tell us how it passed or failed. So I guess that was pretty cool. Was was that a Tamsa game too? Yeah, that was. Oh, okay. That was that was such a great um, game. I love that game. Yeah, so I guess there there is a little bit more than I think. Because I was kind of nervous going to Iron Sworn because we're going in with you and you've been role playing for really long time and you are a GM so you're used to creating stories and then there's Amanda Plagman who is a writer and a uh, game creator I guess we could say mm -hmm. now and then Ben Spurduto who's also a writer and game creator and then I roll up and just hey man what's up can I come hang out with y'all um, <laughs> and I was really nervous about it but I think all of that angsty writing that I did in high school helped me out. I mean, I just think that <laughs> and if also you're... all of the role playing I have been doing, and all of the storytelling gaming that is actually there, I felt like I could I could square off in the ring with you guys. You know what's interesting is that I was just it just occurred to me because I was you're playing this priestess of 
what what is her, she called? She's a, she's a spark of the Lady of Radiance, but I wouldn't say priestess. I think she's more of like an evangelical. Like okay, priest, uh, like a, um, a a preacher. Psychopath. Psychopathic preacher. Yeah, pretty okay. much. Yeah. So you went on this really cool rant in the game. <laughs> you know, basically trying to manipulate the outcome of a confrontation between these skimmers and our characters. And like that was such a great moment of role play and like in the game and it was exciting. And I and while I was just thinking about it just now while you were talking, it reminded me of your Ten Candles character, who was different, but you played like you were in like Crazy Cat Lady. Yes, and you were so in the role. Like when you did it, you were like all in. And that's I'm another an soul here. <laughs> well, that's another example though, I think, of a really <laughs> storytelling based game. That game is so storytelling. Low stakes too. I played another crazy cat lady in that. I think those two were pretty close in timeline. Yeah, so it might have been. But I know I get in the yeah. characters where I'll play like a similar character for a little in several games, like kind of all in a row. Yeah. I don't know. That was my crazy cat lady phase of pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, those are storytelling games, you know. And I, I, I honestly think. I mean, I, you know, you can play any game and be good at it. I'm sure, but I so, think well, that I don't know. I mean, there's some crunchiness out there that I just cannot. Well, that's what I was gonna say. Is I, I think you're, you're a natural at the storytelling games as far as a player goes. Like I felt like we were in the Iron Sworn game, and like. I mean, it wasn't like, oh, you're the newbie who hasn't GM'd before. Like, it didn't feel like that in the least. And same thing with Ten Candles. I mean, like, your character was really interesting. Aegon, again, like you mentioned, the story-based games, the ones with a little bit simpler system, maybe that's your cup of tea. It's definitely my cup of tea. In fact, it's so much <laughs> my cup of tea. <laughs> cup of ginger tea because man my stomach oh my gosh these days with so this child i'm actually drinking holy grail tea and oh. it has it's a herbal tea and it has if you're reading the ingredients list it has all of these monty python and the quest for the holy grail really? references oh, in the read it. ingredient list given yeah. to us by our our good friend uh, brian mcgregor and his wife jen mcgregor and we play with well, we were playing with Brian for quite a bit. Wait, did they give us that, it. or was that one of the three that I got for you for to go along with your um? I think teapot. I feel like it came from them with your you know cat what they mug, can they which can, I stole. They can take the the anyway. Nobody cares about this. <laughs> yes, but you know what? There are couples. There, there's one couple out there who's listening because we have four listeners. And they're like, I know this. I know how this goes. <laughs> like, I, know, I, I know this part of it. We have more than four listeners. I'm going to tell you that. The the podcast is not that popular, but the actual plays are. So I don't know. What are you going to do? I think we say fun and interesting things, and that's all that matters to me. Because I'm the one who has to edit it. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I'm kind of one and done. Like, I sit here, and then that's it. But anyways. But yeah, I mean, I think the gamey thing is really interesting, because I actually... You know, it's funny, there's a special place in my heart for playing the game, like if it's a game. Like I like the dice rolls and I like making the little marks. I like some crunch, you know, to play those kind of games. There's a part of me that really enjoys that. 
you know, and, and I think if I had unlimited amount of time, I would probably enjoy those more than just a pure story game. But I think, Ugh. given my, yeah, Bob. just let me finish. But given the reality of my life, <laughs> which is, I don't have time for that kind of stuff. You need some escapism. It's, yeah, I, it's not really realistic for me right now. Um, because there's lots of games that are crunchy that I like, you know, but it's like, and there's lots of games out there that are crunchy that I would like to learn, but I just don't really feel like I have the, I just don't have the time to really invest in reading those and understanding those and, in, and making characters and putting together a campaign or anything like that that requires that kind of effort, especially when you see something like Iron Sworn work so well at creating a world which is as vivid and interesting as anything that you could literally spend tens, hundreds of hours like creating. Just it, it ends up being as vivid and interesting as that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you ne there, and there's no extraneous effort. Like none of the stuff that you make is stuff you're not using. You don't like spend any time considering anything that doesn't play a role in the game you are playing. It's like you don't have to have pages of other stuff. So it's like the amount of work it would take for me to make a crunchy, rulesy RPG game that hit that spot for me that I like, it was not worth the effort at all in comparison to just playing a game that is awesome and rules light and you could just jump right in, I think at this point. I zoned out. <laughs> you were just going. I just, after a while, I was like, okay, crunch, things happening. Uh, well, at least you admitted <laughs> to it. Sorry. Uh, I mean, you should just kind of like say that about our conversations. Sorry, I zoned out. I think I sometimes do. <laughs> <laughs> it has been a long day. Why don't we make this, we'll keep this a short one. Let's get, let's, let's get to the end of the show here. Well, I don't know if this is our best episode. I'm just going to say maybe it's not our best episode. So, but I don't know. Have maybe confidence. the listeners... Would you say that to our son? Would you say, I don't know if that is your best... No, but let's just be real. Yes. I care about our son an infinite amount of times more than I care about this. Yeah, that's true. I mean, this is fun. This is very fun. I think part of the problem is we're talking about something that we agree on. Yeah, we need to disagree on something. Yeah. Yeah. What, what can we disagree on right now? Hmm. Let's not go there. <laughs> I don't know. I'm kind of curious now. <laughs> I uh, guess that'll have to remain a mystery to our uh, six listeners. <laughs> six. Uh, I finished reading another book yesterday it's um i can't even remember the name of it nor the author so what's the point of even me talking about it i'm still reading rabies it's wrapping up it's still pretty cool you're right at the end right yeah but i think the book i don't know what the publication date is but the latest date that they mention is 2011 so i wonder if there's been any advancements in, in rabies research or if we're just stuck hmm now, I know for the last two years, probably all research has headed into a different direction, or a lot of it. 
but it's still a fascinating book. Rabies, y'all, rabies is terrifying. <laughs> and, and as a parent, uh, so the other night we went to a place where a dog licked my son's face, which first of all, disgusting. But secondly, uh, you know, rabies can spread via saliva and mucous membrane contact. And there was a moment where I actually thought in my head, oh my God, now I need to worry about <sighs> dogs licking my son's face. <laughs> oh. And I um, said to Gretchen, what did I say? I looked you, you right in the face. The dog what did definitely I say? have rabies or something like that. <laughs> no, I think I said Lincoln does not have rabies. No, I think you went the jokey way. Okay. Because you know, like, I'm not serious, but I'm also a little worried, you know? Yeah, just like a tiny bit. You don't really think it's going to happen, but you're a tiny bit worried. Like, that there's this very remote possibility that could happen. Yeah, well, rabies in the U.S. is, is doing pretty good, so. Not a lot of rabies? I mean, I think here in Savannah, we have like <laughs> one rabies report a year. Oh, really? Yeah. That's it? Yeah, we don't get a lot of rabies reports. Oh, pfft. Dog so. can be licking our kid's face all the time then. Actually, no. no I just think that's just no, gross anyway. No, no. Like, it doesn't have anything to do with the rabies. I just I don't... I feel like dogs lick their butts and yeah, eat and they, poop. And they, they're stanky. I don't... Bad breath. Dogs. Yeah, well, you... I mean... Yeah, I guess. I don't really smell dogs' breath that often. No, I'm saying you don't want that on you. There's so, so much stuff on our child. I don't know if some smelly dog stuff <laughs> might actually clean him. <laughs> so I remembered the title of the book okay. that, that I there just finished, go. The Heresy Within, and the first name of the author is Rob. I don't know his last name, and I apologize for that. <laughs> and now you Rob. probably say, well, how could you? Maybe it's Haynes. I'm not sure. The You're probably like, how could you not know the, this author's name? Fair. But the thing is, I read so many of these books books that I'm just like really I'm going from one to the next I mean I, I have no idea who wrote the rabies book or you know some of the other books I've read this year you don't know who wrote those books I know Carmen wrote the audacity series <laughs> I cannot remember their last name right now so what you're saying is it's not uncommon to not know the author of the book that you're writing I, I don't necessarily pay any attention to what the author's name is unless there's some notoriety to it or I really love that author and follow that author like Mary Roach so I read this book and it's it was solid it was it had some good characters but I think that I'm gonna say it right now. I think I'm getting a little bit burned out on Grimdark. I've read so much of it in a row, and I've read, Maybe I started with the best. That's why you wake up tired. Maybe you're having nightmares and you don't know it. I don't think I'm having nightmares about Grimdark. I, and especially because I don't really feel like this was a nightmare inducing book. Um, the characters are really interesting, but I just, I guess what I've, what I'm just feeling is I've like, there are certain tropes that are really common in grimdark literature now, in this fantasy grimdark stuff that I've been reading, is that it's just like, oh, there's that character again. You know what I mean? And it's it's just, I think I'm, I need something new, I need something different, just to kind of cleanse the palate, I think. So I'm gonna read something else. I don't know what I'm gonna read yet. I haven't read decided. something funny. I was considering doing something a little bit 
very different. I want to do you something very different. You have a good laugh. I like hearing your laugh. I don't know what I would read that's funny, though. So, if there's any audience members out there, listeners, I'm gonna start tell reading us, it tonight. Well, well, no one's gonna be telling us a book tonight because you still have to edit this. Yeah, well, tell me a book. A funny if book. You gotta, it, it could be funny or just good. You know, I mean, just good. Well, you got Brandon Sanderson stuff you can catch up on. I know, I do, but that's a thousand pages. I don't know if I feel like doing that right now because I've been reading a trilogy after a trilogy after a trilogy. And one Brandon Sanderson book is essentially a trilogy. <laughs> he says even that he writes it like that. So it's, you know, I mean, it's like I, I want a, something that's fun, So you quick. want someone who has a good story to tell that you can get through at a pretty good pace. What's the Discworld guy? I'm just drawing a blank Terry on Pratchett. Terry Pratchett. 47 books in that series, I think. Yeah, I've read the first four. So, I mean, I could read one of those. Those He's are funny. fun. Those are fun yeah. books, too. Eh, yeah. Maybe I'll do that. That'd be nice. Yeah, it's funny is when you said that I was going to suggest Discworld. But then I was like, man, he's already read some of those. I don't know. They're good. Back. They're, the Discworld is exactly that for me, too. Is I'll go and I'll read one every now and then. I don't feel any compulsion to, like, sit down and read 47 straight books. To me, oh. it's like you can just pick it up and read one. They're self-contained stories, and they're funny. And there's always funny moments in that book, in those books. Like, he's so clever as a writer. I don't think it translates. Like, I, I've, I watched some of that, uh, the one that he wrote with Neil Gaiman. Gaiman. Yes. You know what I'm talking about. It was like the, the about the Antichrist yeah. and oh, what was the name of that? And it just came out as a television series oh recently. I watched God. some of that, and even that book I couldn't really get into. It was funny. I, I just didn't really, I couldn't get into it. I don't think it translated on the screen as well as it did in book form. I think Terry Pratchett's a great writer. I think he's great, and I think he's funny, and I think he's incredibly clever. And a lot of the most clever parts of his books are total sides. And so, like, it doesn't really... Sure, the, the main storyline is good and clever and funny, but it's like the asides, which you can't... It's really hard to pull off, like in a movie or a television show. That's half the fun. Are, yeah. You know, so anyway, I might do that. That's lots of jibber-jabber. Yeah, that's lots of jibber-jabber. Let's get out of here. We do have another Ironsworn episode, post-apocalyptic episode coming up soon on YouTube. So I don't know what the date is, though, so I'm not going to say it. So tune in for that. Just tune in every day until you see it. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe YouTube. we'll do the, the newsletter notification. Not a yeah. newsletter, but just email notification. Hey guys, we want your attention. Yeah. We're Give tired. Us. Listen to us jibber jabber. I'm just gonna, tired. I'm gonna overlay a, an applause track right now. So we're did doing we some it? applause because we did it. This is not our greatest effort. But you know what? Crying. Try. Congratulations on say. trying. You know what? As as kindness makes us strong says, kindness is cheering. Mm -hmm. And it shows in that picture, there's a kid who's in last place and there is a snail who is beating him to the finish line. <laughs> so and all of his friends funny. are cheering for him. Yeah. So you are friends, all six of you. You should be cheering for us right now because we are cheering for you because you did it. Yeah. Let's get out of here, Gretchen. How about a high five? Oh, we did it, yeah. All done.
RPGs and Baby Makes 3 is a production of Gretchen and Rob sitting on their couch. Email the show at rpgsandbabymakes3 at gmail.com. You can find more episodes on Podbean, Spotify, and iTunes, as well as on our free Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash rpgsandbabymakes3.